Thank you so much for joining us for this week's message from Real Life Community, where we talk about connecting with God and others, growing in Christ-likeness, and sharing God's life with the world. My name is Sarah Comer, and I serve each week as Connections Pastor, making sure that you know that there is a God and a community that loves you and wants to go through the seasons of life with you. You can find us at reallifecommunity.org, and we would love to meet you on Facebook or Instagram. Until then, we hope this message meets you right where you are and helps you know just how deep the Father's love is for you. Some of you, uh, well, I guess I've been about 10 years since I've been to real life, and so it's just a real blessing to see this growth, and uh, you got a new pastor coming in, and so I'm so excited for you, and a, a lot of vision casting coming up, so this is a real, real exciting for you as a church, uh, a church family, and so, uh, well, I just wanted to share real quickly about just what a blessing it is for me to come and be able to kind of share the word with you. I'm honored to be asked, um, and also, uh, I saw a picture of me up there, by the way, Thank you, whoever decided to put that up. There's like no gray at all in my beard. I was probably about 20 pounds lighter. I mean, that's what you want. If someone's put a picture up of you, that's exactly what you want. Um, so one of the things I wanted to do is I just wanted to share a little bit about um, kind of a message that's on my heart. It's, a, it's an area right now that the Lord's working on me. Um, about and so this is going to be a message that it's going to be two Sundays um, and so one of the the things that I want to do is I just kind of want to share a scripture with you real quickly matter of fact if you don't mind how about we just stand real quickly as I kind of read this scripture if you don't mind I appreciate it the scripture is Daniel six sixteen, and it says this so the king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, May your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just come to you um, just expecting. We come to you, Lord, with just a heart um, that um, seeks your voice. We pray, Lord, that you would speak to us as only your spirit can that you will challenge us, that you will encourage us, and Lord, that you will equip us as you've promised to do as we leave here and go to share your message. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Uh, so one of the things I wanted to share, you can, yeah, you can be seated, thank you very much. Uh, one of the things I wanted to share is there are two words here, uh, the lion's den and rescue you. I want us to focus on these particular words throughout this particular uh, message. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to use this scripture kind of as a metaphor uh, that's going to kind of help inform the rest of the message. So one of the things I want to do, first of all, is I'm in the education field. I don't like just all of this direct instruction if you will. So one of the things I want you to do is just take a moment, maybe uh, 30 seconds, a minute or so, and maybe talk with a person next to you about this question. How would you describe our current culture? Okay. How would you describe our current culture? Ready? Go. So... Bro. 
Thank you, brother. Okay, let's come, to, let's come together real quick. So here's some things that I've kind of listed for myself. And you may say, well, where did you find these at? A lot of them I found uh, down at City Cafe uh, at, a, at a breakfast table with a bunch of guys that were still reading the paper. This is exactly some of the thoughts that they said. And these were Christian men, by the way. This is what they said. They said, lack biblical values. Okay, Relativistic. Self-absorbed. Godless. Lack covenant keeping. Uh, idolatry of others. So we could continue on and on throughout this list. It may be some that you, you could add to this list. So we're seeing a little bit of a movement in our culture. And if you are a believer and you have a Christian worldview, these are some names that I have heard us called. They are these names. Backward. Foolish. Uh, traditional. And the biggest sin of all in our current culture, intolerant, right? And I don't know about you, but these names to me, they tend to kind of like discourage me. I, I, I may be alone in that, but here are some feelings that sometimes I feel. Confused, fearful, right? This idea of maybe even angry or discouraged. Now, here's what I want to tell you. There is nothing new to what we are experiencing in this culture. And the thing I want to share with you first and foremost is we can become very discouraged, very angry, uh, very downtrodden. But I'm going to tell you something. I have been looking at an individual in the Bible that I think is very encouraging to me. And it's this little bitty 15-year-old boy. And his name is Daniel. Daniel, in the book of Daniel, all of, a, all of a sudden, this young boy comes into the picture, probably about 15 years old, by the way, okay? Just young boy, and one of the things about Daniel, I don't know about you, but I was raised in the church as well, and Daniel is what we call a Sunday school teacher's dream. The whole book of Daniel is, uh, they got all these great stories, the, the, the boys in the fiery furnace, the lion's den, I mean... If you were raised in the church, you had that felt board, you know, with all of those magnetic, you know, pieces. And I mean, you remember the stories of Daniel, right? But I want you to know that there is something in Daniel that I believe should speak to us as adults in a post-Christian culture, right? In a post-Christian culture. Now, when we look at a post-Christian culture, it's often referred to that. This idea that there's a secular movement that is anti-Christian, right? That one of the things I will tell you is Daniel grew up in a culture that was way anti-Christian more than ours. And it was called Babylon. Now, I will tell you something about Babylon. If you don't know about Babylon, if you weren't politically correct in Babylon, your head came off. But I will tell you that Daniel has, through the Holy Spirit, I think a lot to speak to us in this culture about because he not only existed in Babylon, but he thrived in Babylon. And that's exciting stuff that we're not subject to the culture by which we live in. And I think that Daniel and the Lord using Daniel has a lot to teach us. 
So one of the things I'll tell you is in Revelations, it emphasizes how bad Babylon was. In Revelations, in this chapter right here, 18, it indicates that if there was any culture that really, the, the, that, the, that Christ coming back to take his church, we're gonna, we're gonna exemplify the power of God, Basically, right here it says, After this I saw another angel coming down from heaven. He had great authority, and the earth was illuminated by his splendor. With a mighty voice he shouted, Fallen, fallen is Babylon. Why Babylon? I've often wondered this. Why not Nazi Germany? Why not ISIS? Why not some of those those groups of people or those cultures where we think they are the worst of the worst. And the reason why, in my belief, is that Babylon was the worst of the worst. So that is encouraging news for us because if God can use Daniel, he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And he can use you and me. I promise. Because that's what God's word says, right? So let's look at this idea of Daniel. And what I'm going to do is over the next two Sundays, I'm going to emphasize what I call to be five hope principles that Daniel aspired to and exhibited. All right? Five hope principles. We're going to cover two today. But like Paul Harvey, to get the rest of the story, you'll have to come uh, next week. Hopefully that's a little bit of a hook. I don't know if it will be, but we'll see. So before we get into these two principles, what I want to do is I want to emphasize some things about the book of Daniel. First of all, one of the things we want to make sure we understand is that this is not a diary. Daniel is not writing this in real time. It's something that he experienced and then he looked back and his whole emphasis is that God is the hero of what happened while Daniel was existing in Babylon. So that's the first thing we want to make sure we understand. I'm going to just tell you this right now. Whenever I was here at Real Life way back when, there was a group of people that whenever we needed finances, they signed their personal signature that they would back the, the church financially. We can look back on that and say, wow, we can see what God did. But I'm going to tell you right now, back then, that was a step of faith and it wasn't easy. And this church exists because of the faith of those individuals. And I'm going to tell you something. When we look at this idea of what Daniel has to share with us, he's going to let us know, look, God is the hero here and I am the vessel. So let's look real quickly at another piece that we want to make sure that we understand. He was not only present, like I shared before, but he thrived in Babylon. Matter of fact, there was like three separate kingdoms by which Daniel was used to change for the sake of the gospel, for the sake of God. And so that's exciting stuff. How might God want to use us as well? So real quickly, I'm going to get into some scripture and I'm going to get into this particular scripture, Daniel 1, 1 through 2. This is what it says. In the third year, I'll just read it off here, of the reign of Jehoiakim. I don't know if I'm saying that right. I wanted to just say John. <laughs> Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, came to Jerusalem and besieged it. And the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand, along with some of the articles from the temple of God. These he carried off to the temple of his God in Babylonia and put in the treasure house of his God. 
Now, there is a significant truth in here related to this first principle. This significant truth is in these words, and the Lord delivered. So the first principle, if, if you think about, if, if Daniel was here today speaking to us, and he said, if you want to understand my attitude, if you want to understand my perspective, if you want to understand the reasons why I operated the way that I did, the first principle that Daniel really held on to was this one right here. And that is that God is in control of who's in control. I'll repeat that. God is in control of who's in control. That's a significant truth, church. He is almighty beginning and the end. Why are we so wavered, afraid? Daniel knew that God was in control of who was in control. That's a significant piece. He knew that God was never surprised, never confused, and he knew that God was never, ever talking with his angels, thinking, oh my gosh, this plan didn't work. I now need a plan B. That's not who God is. God is in control of who's in control. You may say, well, Kyle, what about, you know, what about God's sovereignty and, and free will? Whoa, that's a pretty deep conversation. I'm going to let a lot of like, you know, theology majors out of Treveca help me with that. Maybe Dr. Boone, right? But here's my thinking. I'll just say this much. I'm afraid of heights. I know I'm a little bit embarrassed about it. I'm afraid of heights. Uh, when I get on an escalator, I make sure that I hang on to both sides. I don't just hang on to one side. I hang on to both sides. Let me tell you something about God's word. This is what I see. God is sovereign. You say, is God sovereign? I say, yes. Does man have free will? Yes. The, the truth of God's word is to not let go of either one of those. God is both sovereign and man has free will. But what I will tell you that I think I know is in a Babylonian type culture. You better make sure that you don't let go of either one, but put a tremendous amount of weight on God's sovereignty. Does that make sense? Now, take it or leave it, but that's my best shot on um, God's in control of who's in control. So what I want to do is I want to read a little bit more scripture here. I'm going to share some truth. This is in 3 verses 6. It says, The king ordered... Ashpenaz, there we go, chief of his court officials to bring into the king's service some of the Israelites from the royal family and the nobility. Now, when I read this, I thought maybe that this scripture was talking about me, Jamie Bloom, Clayton, and Bo. This is what it says. Young men without any physical defect. Handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning. Well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. I mean, I've never heard the, you know, the actual voice of God, but I think I might have in that moment. But here's the truth. Let's continue on. 
he was to teach them the language and literature of the Babylonians. So the king comes in, and what's he doing? He wants to assimilate these young men into being a Babylonian. And so what's happening here is the king assigned them a daily amount of food, wine, and the king's at the king from the king's table. They were to be trained for three years, folks. And after that, they were to enter the king's service. Among those were chosen were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belshazzar. To Hananiah, Shadrach. To Mishael. Um, Meshach into Azariah Abednego. So here's the truth. When you're in a Babylonian culture, a post-Christian culture, right now, there's, there, this, by the way, it's no uh, mistake that the scripture says that the enemy roams around like a roaring lion. Here's the metaphor, folks. Daniel was in a lion's den before he got to the lion's den. His lion's den was the culture that the Lord had placed him to be able to be a light and salt for the kingdom. And for you and I, when we are in a post-Christian culture or a Babylonian type culture, the enemy is going to try to assimilate us and give us new identities. Let me just tell you something real quick that hopefully will not cause you to throw stones at me. Did you know, let me just say this. My citizenship, I love the United States of America. Amen. I love the United States. My citizenship, though, first and foremost, is in the kingdom of God. I am first a child of God before I am a Republican and before I am a Democrat. I am a child of God and your children, if, if they come to know Christ, they are children of God. And there is an enemy that is trying to speak to them and train them up in a way to change their identity to what the enemy would like for them to be and do. And let me tell you something that's significant. We're not there yet. But Daniel had a battle plan, and he knew this. And so we want to look at that. So here we go. We're going to continue on with this idea of perspective and hope principles. So in Babylonian culture, Daniel was not just an assimilation individual he was not going to be assimilated but he became an influencer that's significant we don't have to just sit back and be subject to being assimilated but God has a purpose for us and you may say well Daniel he was a prophet he has all these prophecies guess what do you know what the people the, anyone that that's not a non-believer is really wanting to know I'll just tell you, where am I from? Uh, how do I know right from wrong? Uh, what's my purpose? Uh, what happens after I die? These are big questions that, like Daniel, we have the answers to. Let me just tell you, where do we come from? Jesus. What's our purpose? Jesus. 
How do we know right and wrong? Jesus. What happens after we die? Jesus. You are a prophet. Walk in it. So, Daniel did this. Very interesting. In verse 1-8, he says this. But Daniel resolved. This is the very beginning of the chapter. There's a significant piece there. Resolved means, I looked it up. In a dictionary. <laughs> Firmly determined to do something or not do something. And by the way, that's ahead of time. I got this right here. I brought it in. Uh, and this is, my wife put this up on our fridge. We put it up about six months ago. You can't read it. It says, what have you resolved to do? Question mark. And then it says this. What is your area of compromise and what is it costing you? So what we're saying here is that Daniel said, I am, I, am, I am committed and I am resolved ahead of time. I have a battle plan on how I'm going to deal with these situations when they come up. Not if, but when. And what we're going to see next week is about how the Lord gave him wisdom on how to actually play that out, which will be exciting. So... Here's the thing we want to say. Hope principle number two. This is hard teaching what I'm about to share with you. I'm going to do the best I can. I don't have it all figured out. I'm going to tell you right now, I am aspiring to live out principle number two. Are you ready? You look it. All right. Hope principle number two. It's this. Daniel knew this. Knew that hardships are inevitable and often confusing but never wasted. Hardships are inevitable. It's not, again, an if, but when, right? We know that there's a lot of reasons why bad things happen. And I think it's interesting to put it in a, in a mindset of sifting it through our worldview and biblical truth to be able to say when bad things happen, what's going on? And I would just tell you, Daniel, in my opinion, he knew that there was going to be some hard times, as uncomfortable as they may be. But he knew that God was working constantly and always for the purpose of never wasting those hard times for either our development or for ministry purposes. So let's look at that real quickly. A good example is this. He's always going to be using hard times or bad things for his glory and also for his purposes. Great example of this is Joseph. Joseph was in a situation, if you remember, where he was sold into slavery by his brothers because of jealousy and envy. Joseph had God's favor, and through that, he then became in charge of the entire kingdom. And if you remember, when Joseph's brothers, right, were in front of him, what he looked at them and said is, those things that you meant for bad, God used for good. Let me repeat that. Those things meant for bad, God used for good. Now that's something that is a truth you can see all throughout Scripture. Second thing I want to tell you is in Romans chapter 8, this is dealing with what it means to have life through the Spirit. 
and that when we come to salvation, we are going to also accept the Holy Spirit through sanctification in increasing measure. And one of the scriptures that really speaks to me is 8-7. And it says this, No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Now here's what I'm going to tell you. What happens in the Old Testament? In the Old Testament, what would happen is a kingdom would come in and take over another kingdom. And they would not only take over that kingdom, but like Nebuchadnezzar, they would pick out those things in that kingdom and they would hijack those for their purposes. They would use whatever it is that that, that kingdom had that was of value and they would assimilate that for their kingdom and their purposes. This scripture right here tells me this. There is a purpose for us, not just externally, but internally. I'll tell you what I mean. If you have a situation in your life where you've experienced a hard time, it might be a death in the family. It might be a divorce. It might be something where you're suffering from some sort of anxiety. It might be something related to uh, maybe like uh, sexual immorality. I don't know what that looks like for you, but let me just tell you something. When you come to know Jesus and his Holy Spirit comes in us, his Holy Spirit will come in like a kingdom and it will hijack the very thing that's the bondage for you and it will make that bondage a strength for you so that you can minister to everyone that you come in contact with who is in bondage of the very thing you experienced. So when Jesus, or whenever in, in Paul, whenever he says that you're more than conquerors, what he's saying is, is that you're not just going to get saved, but you're going to be more than a conqueror. You're the, that the Holy Spirit is going to use whatever it is that you are in bondage with or struggle for the sake of the mission of the Great Commission. Amen. That's the truth. Amen. That is what that scripture means to me. So hardships are inevitable, bad things happen, but Jesus is specializes in, in taking those things and using them for his purposes, internally and externally, Amen. both. So let's look at some other reasons. Preparation. Some of us are being prepared for what? A purpose in a Babylonian type culture, a post-Christian culture. What is that purpose? Here's another uh, purpose. He could be, and often does, somewhat thin the herd. What do I mean by that? He's separating the authentic from the counterfeit. And if you don't think he does that, I would love to sit down with you and we can read the Bible together. Is that there is this idea of a culturally uh, kind of Christian, I'm a Christian, and I'll just, I'll just tell you this, I love the South. I love it. I'm not from the South. And, and I will tell you that I rarely meet someone who doesn't say they're not a Christian. But when you go into a post-Christian culture, a Babylonian-oriented type culture, there is a process of really separating out the authentic and the counterfeit. And sometimes the Lord is about that. And then finally, refinement, affirmation, and 
There are some things that we can only learn experientially. Don't go on it. This is just me speaking. Testimonies, in my opinion, are current day scripture. No one can argue them, and they're yours. So if you have a testimony, that's what the Lord is teaching you experientially. That's powerful stuff. And sometimes it's good for us to experience bad times because that affirms to us that we got what we thought we got. So let's look at a couple of other ideas about when bad things happen. Rick Warren says this, God uses the very thing that discourages us to develop us. That's what Rick Warren says. So when bad things happen, real quickly, this doesn't make sense in my mind. I'm going to just tell you honestly, it doesn't make sense in my mind. One of the things that happened to me, I was in seventh grade. I was with my, my baseball team. We were all kind of walking, right? We were walking. And uh, a bunch of my, where I grew up, baseball was it. I mean, baseball was the sport. And we, we, we were done with the game. And guys looked at me and they said, hey, you see that sign right there? It was like a sign out in front of this uh, business. It was wooden. It wasn't very thick. But it, was, it was wooden. And they looked at me and they said, I bet you can't break that sign. And I said, what do you mean? I said, I, why don't you give it a punch? I said, what do seventh grade kids do? I mean, you're not going to say no to that. <laughs> so I was like, all right. I'll give it a shot. Matter of fact, stand back. So I went back here. And I said, I'm going to give it a running punch. <laughs> so I, I, I thought i go to this thing as fast as I could go. And I punched this sign. And I don't know if you are very familiar with physics. <laughs> but, you know, I have some momentum. But I did not have enough momentum <laughs> to break this sign. I for sure thought, of, but something did break. And, and it took me out of baseball the whole year. And I had a cast on. Now I'm sharing that story because we know that sometimes there are consequences with our choices. Right? Sometimes in our minds we think that thank God should operate like my second grade teacher, Mrs. Pickowitz. Mrs. Picklewitz would do this. If you were good, you get the gold star. If you're bad, you'll wish you weren't. <laughs> and my, what I got, either way, was based upon my performance and my behavior. And in our minds, we think God operates like that. We think, well, what did I do wrong? I'm going to show you this scripture right here. It says, he causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. And sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. So there's something going on here. Don't put God in a box on how he behaves and operates. There is a higher purpose at times than just whether or not the behaviorism is at work or it's just because of our choices. Although, that's the confusing part. Sometimes... It is because of those things. So here's the thing I want to share with you. Concept of innocence. The scripture's clear. No one's righteous. Not even one. That's the truth. Except Jesus. And one of the things that we know is that we live in a fallen world. And 
The truth is, is that sometimes we can get caught up in what I would call the wake or, or backwash of the consequences of other people's decisions. And it may or may not even be because of anything we did in that moment. This is what Daniel found himself in. Is basically, whenever you see Daniel, he's a young boy. He's not without sin, but a lot of things he was encountering was not because of his doing. This is, goes all the way back to the beginning. We see this in Cain and Abel. Cain said to his brother Abel, let's go out to the field. While they were in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. So this idea of, of sometimes getting caught up in this is something that we see in Daniel's life. So Habakkuk was very confused. Same situation. Assyrians were marching to, towards Jerusalem. You know what Habakkuk says? He goes to God and he says, God, why are you allowing these Assyrians to come upon us and conquering us? We're not as bad as these people. That's what he says. You know what God says? I'm going to paraphrase this. He says this, so that you will learn that I'm more concerned with your holiness than your happiness. That's a significant truth. By the way, I had, I had a brother in the Lord share this with me. I think that's one of the purposes of marriage. <laughs> marriage is a laboratory by which you're to learn holiness. Experience holiness in greater measure. I just think that's true. So this idea of God's order of judgment normally starts with his family first. We should not be surprised by this. Now, wrapping up here real quickly, one of the things I want to share is that Daniel knew this. Daniel, unlike Habakkuk, Daniel did not say, why is this happening? Why is this happening? This should not be happening. I didn't do anything. What's going on here? You're, you're, God, you're way off. You, you, you measured this out wrong. This is what Daniel did. Daniel 9, 4 through 19. 25 times Daniel says this. We have brought this on ourselves. We have. We have. He, he puts himself in that box and says, look, this is something that we own. And his hope is not in what's going on. His hope is in who is really in charge. And what he says is this. He says the same thing that John the Baptist said. He says the same thing that Moses said. He says the same thing that Jesus said. He says this, as it's written in the law of Moses, all this disaster has come on us, yet we have not sought the favor of the Lord our God by turning from our sins and giving attention to your truth. Repentance. So this idea of these two principles, the first one is this. God is in control of who's in control. That's the first principle. Second one's this. Hardships are inevitable and confusing, but never wasted. So we're going to look at three other principles, but here's what I want to tell you this, just real quickly, and then we'll wrap up. Is number one, I am guilty of what I'm about to share. When bad things happen, when I get discouraged about the culture, I look for other ways to cope. I do. Maybe it's an app. 
a news organization, a social media. Maybe it's a particular group. We got like a lot of tribalism in our culture right now. Maybe it's your tribe. I don't know what that looks like. But what I'm going to tell you something is I am guilty of not doing what Scripture tells us to do. And this is what it says. Come to me. Come to me. That's that's the answer. Come to me, Jesus says. And then also, I'll share this with you. We're going to look at hope principles. And sometimes, if you're a believer, you have hope. But sometimes I'm like the old Apostle Paul. And I'll say, Lord, I have hope. And I'll say, I believe. But then I'll say, help my unbelief. Faith is where the, the energy source lies. So what I'm going to do in this moment is I'm just going to open up just a moment here to pray. And I'm going to tell you this, church leadership, this as a church family, I'm going to encourage you on these two principles. One is that God's in control of who's in control. And the second is, even though hardships may come, there is always a purpose and God is at work in doing what he does for your growth and for the the mission of this church. And I just want to encourage you, I'm going to provide an opportunity to just pray in this moment. And if you feel led to come and pray, maybe you're in a situation where you're in a hardship and you're like, I just don't feel like God's in control. I need to come. Or maybe you feel like, I just don't know if I have the faith. I'm experiencing some backwash in my family, and it's impacting my son. It's impacting my niece. It's impacting my wife. All I know to tell you is, he's able. So I'm going to just pray for a moment. I'm just going to provide an opportunity if you'd like to come and pray. You're welcome to do so. Heavenly Father, Lord, we just open up this time for us to seek out your wisdom. We ask God that you would guide and direct us that whatever it is that we may be experiencing, that, Lord, we know that you're the answer. And, Lord, like little Daniel, who all throughout the whole book, recognizes your sovereignty and recognizes that even if bad things happen, that you have a purpose. Lord, increase our faith. Lord, help us to feel you close. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.